Kia ora, you're listening to Afraid to Ask. This is a podcast where we answer all your prickly questions. My name is Stanton and on this episode I'll be joined by my colleague Alison and we're chatting to AUT senior lecturers Dr. Catherine Ravenswood and Dr. Julie Douglas about the gender pay gap. Why are women worth less? What needs to change? And does the pay gap even exist? About halfway through the episode, I'll be taking to the streets and asking AUT students why they think women are paid less. And let's just say we got some very interesting responses. If you have a question that you're afraid to ask, feel free to reach out to us online with the hashtag AskAUT. Let's get the show started. How can you talk if you haven't got a brain? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? I say who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. What's the deal with airplane peanuts? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? At this point, I'm too afraid to ask. So, can we start by getting a view from each of you as to why it is women are worth less in the workplace? Well, I I totally disagree. Uh, Women aren't worth less in the workplace. It is socially constructed that they are worth less. Women themselves inherently are not worth less. I'd have to agree with Julie there that it's what women bring to the job, what there is about women. If there are differences, they're not inferior to men. They're not worth less. It's how we've looked at jobs and the kinds of roles that women have ended up in for years and years that aren't really recognised. So what's caused that, do you think? I, I truly believe, and I suppose I did my thesis on it, so it's a little bit... You know, embedded in me, but this this mechanism that we have in, in our in our societies, which is this mixture of patriarchy and capitalism, and the two of them work together to ensure that we have disadvantaged groups in the in the labour force. And if we have a disadvantaged group in the labour force, we can pay them less, we can treat them in a more disadvantaged way. So it's in everybody's interest for the capitalists and the patriarchs to actually have a group, and in this case, women, to be seen as worthless, so that we can then exploit them. So a very easy definition of patriarchy would be this idea that we're using systems and instruments um, in, in a societal way to, um, to uh, diminish and exploit um, women. I see. And, and is, can you give us an example of an industry that's particularly mm. bad? Or oh, Well, I think all industries yeah. really do it, don't they? Where you see the stratification of jobs yeah. and you see women who inevitably end up in in jobs that are deemed low skill, and yet in actual fact, if you pick apart their jobs, they could be extremely high skilled, but um, they get blanketly called low skill, and that way we can pay them less. And in a New Zealand context, are there any industries where, where we have parity between pay well, and women? I wouldn't think so. So overall, we have a gender pay gap of um, around about 12%. There's some industries and some jobs where it will be a lot worse. But um, one thing I get my students to do every semester, because people don't believe that this still exists. We think that things should be right, that it should be changed and there should be equality. So I get the statistics from Statistics New Zealand on industry and full-time employment by male and female. And so my students look through and they identify which industries have more women than men in them, which tend to be around the kind of caring social services um, industries like health and education. And they look at that first and we talk about that. And then I give them the one that gives the industry with the average hourly wage for males and females. And even the industries that have more women than men, the men's average hourly wage is higher. So... I don't know that there will be an industry where there's 
um, where the job is valued equally and where women and men are paid equally. But I mean, the really key thing we've seen this year is um, in aged care. And so all of the aged care workers took legal action. Well, they were kind of led by a woman called Christine Bartlett. And that's led to some change in legislation, potentially, and also to some change in the funding for the aged care sector. And the legal case said that even though men get paid the same low rate if they're a healthcare assistant, they're getting paid low wages because we pay women less for doing care work. It's something that, under capitalism, women have always been since the Industrial Revolution, in the household, keeping things running, and it hasn't seemed to be like a paid job. And now we need people out there to be paid to care, but we still want to pay them as if it's being done in the home and out of their free will and not uh, not a job that has values and worth. Yeah, because also that, that skill thing, that women get get seen as low-skilled, and we see, as Catherine said, they tend to end up in those occupations and industries which are deemed care, was it teaching or caring, nursing, whatever. And if we think about it, what we sort of, the way that we typify women is that they innately care, because they raise children, they look after old people, they care. So that's their role in society, that's their gendered role. And so when they go out into the workforce, if what they're doing is just more caring, it's not special, it's not unique, and we often think about skill as something which you go out and um, actively acquire. So you go to university and you learn how to draft plans and become an architect, or you, you learn physics and you become an engineer. So you've acquired skill, therefore it's deemed to be uh, special and needs to be recognised. But if you go out of the home and you used to look after your little brother when you were a teenager, and now you go into care work and you care, um, it's not seen as a skill, it's something which women innately do. And you haven't had to acquire it, even though care roles require training, qualifications, university education, whatever. Um, it gets diminished because it gets written off as being just caring. So back to the patriarchy again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this has been going on for forever, arguably. Why should we be so worried about it? What, you know, why is it an ongoing problem or longer term? Well, as a woman, I'm always worried about it because why should I get paid less or have worse job opportunities because of how I was born? I get, you know, that's not fair. So from one basic perspective, if we want a fair society where people have opportunities to do things and to get paid what they're worth, then it's a massive issue. And so if we're not worried about it, then actually we don't, we're not the country that thinks we gave women the vote, we stood up for nuclear-free Pacific. We're not that country if we are not willing to say this isn't right and we won't fix it. And that's interesting. Um, could we call our, can we call ourselves a progressive society if we haven't addressed this issue? No, not at all. And, and you know, if we look historically in New Zealand, I mean, it wasn't that long ago or maybe I'm showing my age, but, you know, in the last century, women, if they worked in the public service, when they got married, they had to resign from their jobs because their role in society was to then look after their husband because in society, it was very Christian-influenced, um, is this idea of the male, the head of the family, the breadwinner. And when they first introduced a minimum wage into New Zealand, it was only for men. And then some years later, they, they introduced a minimum wage for women, and it was a percentage of what the minimum wage was for men. So, you know, for many, many, you know, eons, we've seen this idea that women are valued less. 
and that men are the ones who, uh, for all whatever reasons, they should be constructed as the ones to look after. Now, if we look realistically today in New Zealand society, many, many, many households um, are headed up um, by a woman as the breadwinner whose part may or may not even have a partner. So this traditional idea about why men should get paid more is no longer in a reality. And so for women to continually be wearing the brunt of the, the, the lower income expectations, yet having to play the role that males used to, is just inherently unfair. And we want, we want participation in civil society. And we're not going to get that if we don't have some sort of economic um, you know, equality going on. And we talked about the aged care sector. That was a win. And will that start to have um, positive repercussions in other areas? Look, I would hope so, but um, for example, today, which is late July, um, a new bill on pay equity has been put through um, Parliament, and hopefully it goes through through submission and readings and isn't put through an urgency, because it's meant to be an update to the 1972 Equal Pay Act, but what it's doing is putting huge barriers in women's way. It's expecting them to provide an entire rationale to their employer for why they, women in that job, have been historically discriminated against. So it's requiring a normal working person to do like a thesis, for example, which is not right. And managers get paid more, have more authority, and are meant to be in those positions because they know things and have resources. So it's to- this new bill may not actually make a difference, and there's been a lot of submissions on the draft of it saying that actually, if we want to fix things, this is just going to make it harder. And so what can we do, and what sort of things should we be looking to make a difference and influence Well, it's an election year, so, you know, look at the parties and what they're putting forward and vote accordingly, write to media and put your opinions forward. We need to discuss this more, make submissions on the pay equity bill that's been introduced. Um, And I think we need to say to managers, hey, enough is enough. You know, it is managers and employers who make the decisions on what people get paid. So if you're sitting there employing people and you've got three men and three women, if you are actually paying them differently, yet you're essentially employing them because of their skills and their qualifications, then you need to sit back and think why. So maybe a man might negotiate harder, but can't you take the responsibility to offer the same pay to a man or a woman or non-binary gender-based on what they bring to the table, not what their genitals are? Well, look, also, we've seen the research which shows that if, if, say, if say two graduates from AUT, uh, from the business school, left and applied for uh, two jobs at a firm, same jobs, they've got the same qualification, the same experience, they go in, they both get the jobs, on average, the, the, the man in that situation, when it comes to offering their first, you know, their, their first salary, um, will be on, on average offered $7,000 more as a starting point. And, and, and so this has got nothing to do with their experience or their qualifications, right? They've come from the same place. And, and I think you know, people get quite shocked when they hear that. When we, we like to think we live in a better world, and we don't. And the reason why this is a problem is that if you were, say, 22 and you've just started your first job and you're a woman and you start lower down the, the salary scale than, than, say, an equivalent um, male in the position gets, that isn't the end of it. That will then impact and track all the way through um, your working life. 
And so if you are uh, putting into KiwiSaver, so the contribution from the employer will be less. If you take time out for caring, that will be a break in your continuity of service, which will diminish your overall income. So over the life of, of um, a woman's uh, career, they're, they're suggesting around a $700,000 difference wow. um, to, to a man who started at the same place. Now, why that is quite scary for me um, is because um, when we're thinking about these days with the inability of governments to maybe provide pensions for people when they retire, uh, women tend to retire a couple of years earlier than men, generally, and they tend to live longer. And so they're entering into retirement with potentially um, less to spread out across it as well. Um, and, and, and that's concerning because we're going to be see a diminished government support for aged care and yet we're going to be seeing women who have been disadvantaged from the start of their career um, because we have this unequal um, treatment. So there are lots of reasons why we need to have this discussion more often. You know, you've used the word historically, I've used the word historically. I know students in my class, they like to think we've moved on and I'm sorry, but we haven't. It's still an issue. And so what you've said is quite shocking to me, that starting point that there's already potentially a problem. As feminists, for those of us who are, and Stan's one of us, um, <laughs> what do we teach our young women and young men um, at that point? Because it does feel like um, women have to also learn to stand up for themselves, ourselves. What, what sort of messages do we need to share with them to be aware of this? Well, I think those statistics go a long way. And I know that when I teach, um, and part of the reason I give the statistics without saying there's a problem is because students don't believe me and and they'll go oh they'll look at me and they'll hear what I say in week one and they'll go oh she's a feminist she doesn't know what she's on about uh, so I give them the statistics the statistics uh, to look it up themselves and work it out and I don't make up those statistics so I think it's partly about putting it in a way that people will notice it where you know it's brushed over in the media it's not a big issue we even had a prime minister last year say we can't afford equal pay and, you know so when is it acceptable to say we just can't afford to stop discriminating against people so i think it's just again and again saying this is a problem it's hugely complex but it's not just because women take time out of work it's because of a range of factors and look, you can see it. Women earn less at all ranges right throughout. What are we going to do about that? that that's just crazy. Like, it <laughs> my mind. Like, is it, it like... It's are you feeling bad now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, and it's unacceptable to say it's unconscious bias because uh, we have so many excuses for why this is happening. Yeah. But um, as a female candidate, you said, who's coming out of university and who's... Um, starting on potentially $7,000 less than a male candidate with an equivalent skill level. Um, what can be done there? Like, um, what can be done to rectify that? Like, is it a case of transparency? Um, well, I mean, we have laws in place. We have the Human Rights Act in place. But, you know, just because we have laws doesn't mean that we get our rights respected. Because, for one, people often don't know what their rights are. They don't, they don't know where to go to get them, you know, to get to be heard. Um, and sometimes, you know, particularly when it comes to unemployment, I think it's really tricky because we should never underestimate what it means 
the, the, the power differential between employer and employee. So you're coming along to your first interview out of university um, or after maybe a long period of time out of the workplace and you, you come along and you sell yourself and they offer you the job and you desperately want that job. You are in no position to then say, well, actually I'd like to have 10,000 more. Um, because then they might say, well, actually we've got somebody who'll do it for less. And I think, you know, we've got a labour market at the moment and, and a, a general pervasive feeling in New Zealand society which doesn't make people feel very secure in work necessarily. And I think that power differential gets exercised even more in those, those times and potentially uh, limits women's feeling of being able to do some of those things. I wonder maybe if we can all start talking to our friends about what we earn. It might be one thing. We're a bit shy yeah. about that in New Zealand and yes. maybe other countries as well. well and Mike, and Mike I Hosking might like to. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but maybe that's one way. If you know, if you're graduating, you talk to your friends looking for jobs, you talk about what you earn, and then you realise that maybe some of you are earning all the same, and yes, it's good where you are, or you work out the differences. And then, you know, if they're not telling you what the salary range is when you apply and you desperately need a job, then you kind of get a better idea of what people are being earned without having to ask the manager. But, you know, hopefully a lot of our graduates are going to be running their own businesses, maybe, and we've seen some quite innovative employment practices in young startups, and maybe there'll be managers at some point, so they too can also think, well, what can I do? Can we... Maybe it's about training the people, you know, our recruitment panel, or about training our managers and saying, "Hey, look, our values at this organisation are about respect and inclusion. We want to treat people equally and to be transparent about what you can earn, and and then act according to that." That's a really interesting one. Um, uh, I stand to be corrected here, but I think it's a country in Europe. I think it's Iceland who implemented um, a policy. Where um, salaries have to be disc- uh, have to be yeah made public. Iceland is, is incredibly progressive. Oh. I was there last year, and I just think it's the most amazing place. Yeah. The way that they organise their labour market is a- another topic completely, but very very interesting, very yeah. progressive. Yeah. Yep. And I actually think that an MP um, put a bill through a members' bill in the last year in New Zealand to make um, the disclosure of salaries um, something that people have to do or at least maybe not the individual but the position and the salary I don't know if it went into parliament or I don't think it passed but I'm not too sure but that would be a really good idea yeah it's like transparency equals accountability yeah yeah but but you know we're talking we've used examples here of graduates and I mean that's a one section of society but you know what what happens to to women or, or anybody in the, in the labour market outside of those sort of better paying jobs is that I think that we see even less likelihood of there being um, equality and transparency mm. because I think it's an even harder labour market. So if you're unskilled and trying to get into work, you know, you're, you're very vulnerable to any exploitation. And at the other end of the scale, when we look at women on boards, women in parliament, uh, women and on in leadership roles. Similarly, we've got the, we've still got the same problem. Yeah. So both ends of the scale problem exists about opportunities. Never mind how much mm. they're being paid to do it. Just getting there. Yeah. Yeah. So is that an extension of the same same set of constraints? Oh, t- I think totally. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, my, my comment about patriarchy and capitalism is from one end of our, our society to the other. I mean, it, it's all pervasive. Um, it's 
it, it's mm. all pervasive. And I do think that we have to look at... Uh, so we certainly don't have enough women on boards and in senior positions, and it's still a pretty big problem. You know, we have, for example, for 30 years we've had more women graduating with law degrees than men, yet not very many women who are partners in, in big law firms. But And so they are disadvantaged, and that isn't good, but as, as Julie pointed out, so for example, aged care um, healthcare assistants who are making judgments over people's mental well-being, their physical care, when they need to be referred to a nurse, they need to know our um, health and disability legislation, um, as well as doing all the physical care, they've been paid the minimum wage because it's a woman's job. And then, so those minimum wage workers are not in a way more they're not discriminated in in any more way i guess in some than the senior management but because they're earning so little it makes them in a way a more crucial focus and because as well um, as feminists we should be reflective and think about our own privilege the people who do research the people who are in professions who have the time sometimes but certainly more money and education to think about these issues um tend to look at ourselves so there's a lot more research and this is a class issue as well there's a lot more research on women in professions and women on boards because it's the interests of the researchers and we're seeing a, a, a bit of a more shift in um, the academic and research world to say hey actually we know that it's a bit difficult for us but at least even though we're paid less we're still comparatively paid more than the women way at the bottom and let's see what we and men as well at the top can do for those who are in the most need. And you talked about, you know, people who are going to be creating jobs. Yeah. Our, our graduates, hopefully. Um, what about entrepreneurship? Is entrepreneurship have the same kind of um, gender issue or is it where we get to overcome some of this? Well, I don't know about entrepreneurship, but uh, about five years ago I was looking at the statistics around where jobs, where jobs were growing and where people were finding employment. And... The, for self-employment, the largest group moving into self-employment were Māori women. And, and one can only assume, because I don't know, but that they just had had enough of being disadvantaged in mainstream employment, had plenty of skills and connections and networks and could find ways to, to do their own thing and quite successfully. So I think that we, I think we, we see people moving away from where they're being disadvantaged, but only some have got the skills and the attitude to do that. Hey guys, standing in the street here. Yeah? Today I'm talking to people about the gender pay gap. Do you believe there's a um, gender pay gap? Yeah, there is, still, yeah. You can say there is, but then like, a lot of people can say there isn't. I've never seen someone with a like, finance degree say that there's a wage gap. There's all this talk that there's. I don't have any evidence based on what's going around. It seems like there is. Why do you think women are paid less than men? Just like habit, um, tradition. I think it's just always been that way that men are in a lot higher positions and paid a lot more. So what needs to change? I guess most people's mindsets only um, change when it's proven. Women on average, like this is facts from universities, pick the lower paying majors. So I think we need to get women into these STEM type fields because having a male field isn't good for something like science because you need different sets of opinions, you need different backgrounds to, like, to create better ideas. I really highly doubt that women are just naturally less inclined to science. I, don't think, I think that's ridiculous. We're already getting to women and men having equal rights already, so this seems like really delayed not to have equal pay already. So just like, get onto it.
I'd love to end on a positive note. Um, <laughs> okay. You know, something you've talked about Iceland as, as people who, a place that does it well. What do you guys think are the, the big wins, uh, the things that are likely to, to come to pass? Look, can I tell you a story? I was, I was involved in a, in a program at Massey University a few years ago and we were talking to this um, accelerated woman in management course and and we did this role play around um, going for job interviews and we, we did this, you know, doing it the, sort of a very low level way and, and another way and talking about the idea that, you know, the more... The more you check out the firm you're going to, the more that you learn, the more you engage in an interview, the, you know, the better you come across. And we talked about first salaries as well. And, and some months later, one woman got in touch with us and said, look, I went for my first job and they offered me this amount and I argued them up something like $12,000 because awesome. she, she said, look, I know what your company is about and this is exactly what I'm bringing to you. And it was by having much better knowledge and confidence that she was able to actually outsmart them. Um, and we all thought that is the best outcome we've ever heard yet. So, you know, w- women also have to, you know, grab onto this and be part of it too. Yeah. yeah. And just, um, just coming back to um, some of the issues um, that we have with this, uh, I think I, maybe it's just something that I'm experiencing, but I feel like the this, this circle that I move in, there's no one... Um, who, who, who doesn't think that there's a gender pay gap issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, but um, AJ and I um, did a vox pop um, around university and the majority mm-hmm. of people um, didn't think there was um, a, a pay gap issue. Yeah. So they, they thought it was completely fine and they had no valid reasoning for why there is an issue after we told them that there is. Mm-hmm. So just um, some myth busting. Um, there's a lot of talk that um, women are paid less because they take more time off and it's because they, um, they have kids and they're always sick. Um, these myths, there isn't any truth to them. Well, that's, that's like that um, man a few years ago who said that uh, women get paid less because they have periods and they're less productive. I mean, yeah. there's no period leave for starters, but, you know, those are myths. And yes, women might take time off work but we're entitled to, and actually so are men. Men can take parental leave. So, you know, fathers, go out and look after your children. If your wife wants a career, that's probably actually one of the best things you can do to support her, is to be the one who takes the leave and and looks after kids if you're a family. Um, So, yeah, I think you're right. Let's do some myth-busting, and and women are worth it. Yeah. There is a lot to be done there. Yeah, a lot of myths to dispel. Yeah, when it comes to that, definitely. Um, in in terms of um, uh, like looking at our trajectory going forward in New Zealand, um, when are we going to reach parity? Will we reach it? Was it one hundred and seventy nine um, years at yeah. the rate we're going? Apparently, if you look yeah. at the trends, it sort of creeps up and then falls back and creeps up, and it, it was it was a figure yeah. that was extraordinary. Yeah. 179 years. Yeah. Give or take a decade. Probably. Maybe a meteor will hiss us first. Um, but, you know, we can change that traje- trajectory. You know, all of us, young, old, men, women, all genders, we, we can do things to make a difference. So it's a massively long trajectory, Julie, isn't it? And I don't know, from country to country, I think the least I've heard is 70 years and... So, yeah, but maybe, you know, we bust the myths and we talk to people and we manage people fairly. And, I I mean, me, I think 
a few years back, I would always think, uh, this issue is something that government needs to sort out. There needs to be policy that's implemented um, for this to be rectified. But me, as a man, as an individual, what can I do on a day-to-day basis in my life? Well, it sounds like you've done a pretty good job today, just going out with your box pop and, and busting some myths. Um, and I guess, like, as Julie says, when you're out looking for jobs, it depends on your position. You know, if you're, It's hard for graduates finding a first job, but you know maybe you can be the one who says, or if you're on a recruitment panel, actually, this woman's worth more. You know, let's pay her more. Or you say at work, you start up the conversations at work then and say, oh, I've heard that um, there's an issue over the gender pay gap. Do you really believe that? And talk to people who maybe you wouldn't normally talk to. Because we heard about that, I think it was over Facebook groups and the election in the US and how all the Trump supporters thought everyone believed the same as them and all the Clinton supporters Mm -hmm. believed the same as Clinton and someone managed to get the groups to secretly join the opposite group and they were shocked. They were totally shocked that there were people who did not believe the same as us. And so while media and social media can be great maybe we're all because I thought everyone thought the same as me too and it turns out they don't so maybe we're all stuck in our little groups telling each other yes you're right you're right you're right and some of us are but we're not realizing how many people aren't aware of the same issues and I think you know for some people they just won't be aware of it there'll be some people will never change their mind but some I just don't think they realize They've never faced it. No one they know has ever faced it or doesn't realise that they have. But, you know, I think it's even more fundamental than that because we live in a a, a very competitive um, society and and that's shored up by the the politics we have today, the economy we have today. It's all about competition. And competition will always, in business anyway, want us to pay the least amount of salary that we can get away with. Right. So there's, that, there's an economic imperative which is always going to drive this behaviour. So as individuals we may see this as being um, inequality and we need to do something, but you know, it's very difficult to sort of stand up against the very uh, infrastructure of our society which is saying, why would you give women more money when we can make more profit if we don't? We could always give men less money, maybe. Um, there was that there bar that, that, that would achieve th- that yeah. would get rid of the gender pay gap. It would just like that. <laughs> but also, we we live in a hierarchical society, where um, I think on an individual level, many men, deep down, even if they won't admit it, would struggle to accept that women should get paid equally. So you know, we we might have legislation, we might have all these things, but we're up against one of the most fundamental. Mm-hmm aspects which is gender role stereotyping Mm. and I think that's a really tough one yeah yeah and changing mindsets is like the most difficult thing absolutely (laughs) you know I mean religions still go to war you know I mean fundamentally held beliefs like this are seriously difficult to overcome yeah but we keep pushing and educating Mm. and we'll get there in 179 years. <laughs> I think we've cut it by five. <laughs> Just with today's podcast. Yes. Yeah. So I think it's fair to um, end off by saying um, women aren't worth less in the workplace yeah. or anything yeah. else. And uh, there are many of us out there thinking and talking about this more. And uh, the work you guys do contributes to that. So cool. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all. <laughs>
And that's the show. Thank you very much for listening. We'd love to know your thoughts. You can reach AUT on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. Well, basically, we're on every prominent social media channel. You can also ask us more questions using the hashtag AskAUT. Thank you once again for listening. We'll see you next time on Afraid to Ask. Goodbye. You know how to whistle, don't you, Steve? You and him went in town. What does Marcellus Wallace Look, what's the deal with Aquaman? What's the matter with me, what? baby? What's the matter with you? Speak English and what? How can you talk if you haven't got a brain? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? I say who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. What's the deal with everything? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? At this point, I'm too afraid to ask. Why?